Hello, everybody, and welcome to this 16th episode of the Psychology of Lockdown. I'm joined once again by uh, psychologist George Roach. He has a master's in psychology. He's not a therapist himself, but he is very well educated. And we have been now going through, we've passed through the 12 characteristics of mystification. And now we are kicking in the eight rules of dysfunction uh, as outlined by therapist John Bradshaw. So uh, for those of you who have been listening, you know that what we've been doing is taking John Bradshaw's family systems therapy, and then we've been extrapolating out into what's going on in terms of our relationship with the government uh, and what's going on with all of these lockdowns. And this psychological perspective has been extremely eye-opening. Um so we've gone down the road of the rules of, of uh, dysfunction, and we have come to number two. Today, we're going to be talking about perfectionism. Last time, we talked about control. So uh, I think a lot of these characteristics are going to be familiar, unfortunately, to many of us um, because they're so common in this culture, so common in our families. So George, what are your thoughts about uh, perfectionism, and how does, it, uh, how does it link up with the idea of control? Well, perfectionism is over self-control. Mm-hmm. You over-control yourself. Self-monitoring, you know, am I coming across okay? Am I getting it right? You know, uh, uh, people that feel confident with what they're saying to other people uh, don't constantly need to monitor whether the person understands them or not. Uh, human beings are generally... Uh, the type of people who understand logic when they hear it and when it doesn't make sense, they start to raise their eyebrows a little bit. Maybe there's a mistake here. The perfectionist doesn't see the mistake. Perfectionism by its very nature is to be perfectly uh, imperfect. Perfectionism is completely and utterly inhuman. Right. We make mistakes. Our best teachers are our mistakes. When we make mistakes, we're supposed to learn from them. Now, naturally, perfectionists aren't people who admit to mistakes, so they are prone to repeating the same mistakes (laughs) over and over and over. How do they manage that? Repetition, urge to repeat the same mistakes, the repetitious urge. How do they manage that? With perfectionism, more of it as a matter of fact. So perfectionism is a mental creation and it can become very addicting. People are addicted to being perfect. Nothing to be learned, no new surprises coming from this person. They've congealed into their final self, so therefore such new surprises can never be expected. It's the Mm -hmm. same old, same old uh, tale with these individuals. And, you know, you'll notice about perfectionists, um, many of them will act as though they're intellectually superior to other people. When challenged about such superiority, they're nowhere to be found. You see, perfectionism is a shame-based trait. Because remember, people who don't feel um, as though they belong, that they're loved, they're cared for, and known as one truly is, develop a sense of shame. Because shame is a product of being abandoned. Well, remember, the overcompensation for being imperfect or flawed or otherwise no good is perfectionism. That's how they manage it. 
but never works. They never wind up feeling any better, which is why they need so much of perfectionism. If it were a remedy, it would fix the problem and you would move on. Right. But the addiction is cyclic. And anytime a perfectionist encounters a situation where they have to be less than perfect, it requires their effort to keep all manner of error or failure outside of oneself. That requires attributing it to others. You you did it. I, I did. You know, with per, with perfectionism, uh, the organizing principle is denial. So when they make a mistake, they cover it up. When you make one, shame them. Right. Very, very common. You know, cover up my own mistakes. But when somebody else makes a mistake, make sure you put it out there. So th there's a lot of moral self-righteousness to perfectionists as well. Okay. Since they know everything and they don't make mistakes, more moral, you know, high ground is not too far behind. And they claim it. Very, very difficult to negotiate with a person who makes no mistakes. <laughs> right. It's uh, lawsuits go on forever with perfectionism. People wanting to remain in denial. Jockey for position. You know who you are. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just what's coming through my mind is I think this is just extremely common in, you know, in the bigger picture and the concept of the, the, the patriarchal society. We've got these hierarchies and the, the people that are above us in the hierarchy are theoretically given the right to control us. Uh, and they have a lot of pressure on them to be perfect. They can't make mistakes. And how easy you, you, it is for them well, to you say, see, if they make a mistake, they just blame you. <laughs> well, since the organizing principle of a perfectionist is, is about not making mistakes, preventing the, the prevention of mistakes, they also don't allow other people to make mistakes. Because remember, they think that's a reflection of them. Mm -hmm. So if you have a boss or somebody at work, you know, if, again, you make a mistake, they shame you. If you notice they made a mistake, you, they cover it up, act like they meant to do it or something ridiculous like that. But the right. organizing principle, nevertheless, is a, about avoidance of making error that people could find out about because I'm already so inadequate. I'm already so close to being worth less one mistake and it's game over for me you see right when people have reserves when they have a surplus of integrity and a surplus of self-esteem certainly they would be more willing to admit a mistake it's like they don't have enough if i want to borrow 10 bucks from you and you only got five well it's not going to happen there's not enough in the reserve it's the same thing with perfectionism they want to borrow ten dollars worth of, of healthy ego but they've only got five mm -hmm. so these people are generally spiritually bankrupt perfectionists by their very nature are spiritually bankrupt because denying human function and one of the most superior ways to deny human functioning is to deny making mistakes so you can't grow because you can't learn so we have to reframe mistakes, and this is what perfectionists can't do. They can't reform, reframe mistakes to be learning tools as occasions for learning, in other words. Right. So naturally, it's very difficult. So since the fear and the avoidance is the principal organizing uh, uh, factor in a perfectionistic family, 
they live, people live according to what I call impression management, this externalized image. It's not who they are. And you can tell there's something off about it. So the reality is when people are perfectionistic, not only do they deny mistakes, they're not really who they are. So there's no real person to relate to. They block intimacy. They block the development of relationship. Because remember, we said already to be perfectly human means to be imperfect. Perfectionists deny full human functioning. So you can never have a full human connection. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot. Uh, I've heard this described as people sort of wearing a mask all the time. They're not really being their authentic self. They're sort of just posing themselves as these perfect people and they're unwilling uh, like you talked about impression management, always just trying to put that face forward that says, look at how perfect I am. Everything's great. And of course, in a in a long term intimate relationship, you can't really get away with that for very long. <laughs> no, no. You see, when people choose an image, they become what's called self image actualized. They oh. literally believe it's who they are. Right. They don't know that they don't know that they're in an act. But other people see it. I'm, I mean, and listen, I don't want to make light of this to these people. To be a perfectionist is not a very comfortable state of mind. There's a lot of stuff to manage. Uh, right. You know, when, when, when the, the, the ebb and the flow of being human is denied you, there's, there's a lot of content up there to manage because, because they're not living in reality. They're not allowing themselves to embrace you know, the facts of who they are or anything they've done or mistakes that they're, they've made or things that they're not proud of. Everybody has that. So why not just join the human race and be perfectly imperfect and show us your mistakes so everybody can learn again? Yeah. What's the problem? But you see, when you grow up in a family, once again, where you get, you got the message, like this family we're, we are it. Okay. We don't make mistakes. We don't have divorces. <laughs> you know, we go to church and we are that perfect model of a family. You see, th this teaches children to not be grounded in what fully human is and full as fully human uh, beings. We bumble along, we make mistakes. We know we're not God. We know we need help. So you perfectionists are causing a lot of trouble out there. Instead of owning your own garbage, <clears throat> pardon me, you're attributing it to other people, which never works. You, your relationships will all start and end the same way if you continue to rely on perfectionism to steer the dialogue. Mm -hmm. So it's got to stop. Now, the, the, the problem with perfectionism is the rule all by itself re leads directly to helplessness and hopelessness because of its unrealistic expectations. Um, it's a, it's a fantasy to be per, per perfectionistic. So it it's ideal and it's shameless, right? Since it, it disallows mistakes, it doesn't talk about, right. Uh, you're you're the, avoiding the shame. Completeness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're incomplete. The work needs to be done. If you're denying that you're an error or you're perfectly imperfect, then nothing can be done about you. It's irremedial. There's no remedy. 
because you're already in a state where no work needs to be done on you. You've right. congealed into your final self. Well, isn't that the, that's almost the most challenging thing about this particular rule of dysfunction is that when people think that they're perfect and they have this outlook and they're avoiding what's I've heard described as healthy shame, because as people start to heal and they get out of denial, they start to go, man, yeah, I was in denial, but now I feel like crap because I realize how crappy I, you know, I acted back then. Well, actually, that's a great point because <clears throat> living like that is a way to feel as bad as you really feel. In fact, yeah. all addictions have that uh, 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 result. It's a way to feel as bad as you really feel. They're people substitutes. You know, so I can't let the world see how flawed and damaged I am as yeah. a person. See, that's a child running the show. Remember, these rules are learned in families from a very early age. Parents grow up to be adults. Oh, sorry. Children grow up to be adults who become parents, they find other perfectionists or shame-based people and they get married. Then they have children. Right. <laughs> it's a multi-generational cycle. So, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, who do we blame for this? Uh, our parents' parents? Our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who do we blame for this? This stuff has been going on forever and ever. It's been yeah. a hand-me-down hodgepodge of dysfunctionality that nobody stops to critically question and update. Well, this because is a, they've become satisfied with the medi mediocrity. Yeah, this is something that's really happened to me as I've delved into these ideas. Is that you start to realize that you're we're all really dealing with generational trauma. I mean, when was the last time we lived in a healthy culture, right? With a non patriarchal, yeah. non hierarchical culture that that uses guilt and shame constantly, uh, if not you know, not just emotional abuse, but physical abuse to impose Absolutely. their, you know, the will of the, of the, of the hierarchy <laughs> of the upper class or whoever the government class on the rest of the people. Um, and we've been dealing with this for generation upon generation without any recourse to these ideas, these ideas of psychology or healing ideas that can heal the family. So it's been going on for so long. And then like, I wanted to bring up because it's, it's interesting. Like I want to, like on the one hand, you got to learn how to set boundaries with people, especially if they are, are suffer from perfectionism, because they'll certainly try to be controlling. I mean, everybody's got to agree with them because they're always right, right? And if you don't, well, look at what's happening today. I mean, who who in our government's admitting making any mistakes for the lockdown? Well, right. we we did see Ford get up and cry one day, but everybody knew that was those were crocodile tears, and I right. certainly believe that that was the best act I've seen. He's only ever done it once, so how sincere can it be? But but still, we know it's a ploy because he's not taking direction from himself. He's taking direction from these oligarchs and passing off, making it appear like it's going through our public health officials yeah. uh, to authenticate the information that's being downloaded onto him and that's being dictated to him that right. he's supposed to follow by the, by the oligarchs. So it's being managed by public health, which is truly a distraction to me, given well, the the multitude of disasters we see out there right now, they're acting like everything's normal. It's fine. You know, we know what we're doing. We got yeah. a handle on it. Yeah. And the public health officials have basically have all this pressure on them to, to act perfectly as well. I mean, if you think about here in the United States, we've got Dr. Yeah. Fauci, is he going to admit, Oh, you know, sorry, I screwed up. You guys actually, the masks aren't helping. Sorry. Oh, you know, the lockdown. Well, which really way are we going? They, they, <laughs> here's another guy. Here's another guy, another perfectionist, right? Doesn't make any mistakes. He, he, 
when has he gone and said, well, you know something, folks, I said something different to you back in December of 2020 than what I did in April of 2021 than yeah. what I'm going to do in May. Has he done that? Never. It's the highest paid guy in the States and he can't get a story straight. Right. And yet every I time, mean, it, even when he changes the story, he's always right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Well, he didn't make any mistakes. I mean, he's the type of guy who investigates himself and finds out he did nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm perfect. Everything is perfect. No need to experiment. Everything's fine. We got the answers. Well, and this that, ties you know, in. That is, that's a monologue of a, of a perfectionist. Sorry, I wanted to right. complete that. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that it's just so typical of essentially narcissistic and sociopathic behavior. Like you get into these really passive aggressive uh, routines that are extremely dysfunctional and, and extremely harmful. And the perfectionists can't understand that like they have this issue it makes it really difficult to heal somebody who suffers from perfectionism because they have to get out of denial first before they can start to work on it and getting out of denial means feeling the shame that they're avoiding uh and Absolutely. and then the and then the avoidance results in crazy i mean that's the gaslighting we could talk about how we have talked about <laughs> how the mainstream media is essentially gaslighting for people like fauci uh, not including any alternative points of view from other people who have learned from their mistakes and who are open-minded to thinking that the science isn't perfect and, and you know, remember, people are allowed remember, to disagree. Remember, the organizing principle of a perfectionist is the avoidance of making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so when the government wants to appear, you know, with this pseudo-confidence, like they got it all under control, when they are actually being controlled is another illusion. It's all distraction, in my opinion. These people are not going to come to us and say, you know what, we screwed it all up. Sorry right. about that. All bets are off. Let's just everybody resume, re resume your normal, uh, usual daily life and positions, and we'll just get on with it the way that it was. That's not going to happen. Right. They're making mistakes all over the place. Yeah. And they, I believe they're very concerned right now. I think they're very desperate right now um, that we have our perfectly imperfect protesters out there standing afoot on this stuff and telling the government, no, we're, we're done. We're not, we're not doing this. Enough's enough. We know what's happening. I mean, if you don't see what's exactly going on right now, then you've got to be living underground. I mean, it's out in broad daylight. I'm getting it. I'm getting pummeled and I have a lot of businesses behaving with, you know, utter per professional perfectionism. No, that never happened. No, we don't do that. No, no, no. Right. Right. It's amazing. The dial well, is amazing. And there, there's so much pressure put on people. Then I'm thinking about, like, say, all the doctors uh, that were putting people straight on the on the ventilator. They were told by the hierarchy, by Dr. Fauci, well, we don't there's nothing you can do for covid except for uh, remdesivir and straight on the ventilator. And we find out yeah. that 70 percent of the people they threw on the ventilators ended up dead. Are those people going to be able to look at themselves, look at the facts about uh, hydroxychloroquine and the Zelenko protocol or the ivermectin protocols that are saving 85% of people from going into the hospital who have COVID. Are they going to be able to change their minds and go, oh, I screwed up. You know, I killed a couple of hundred patients going straight to the ventilator because I was listening to the, the perfectionists above me in the hierarchy. And, and now I have to realize that, I, you know, I, I could have saved all of those lives if I had to use these other protocols. They're never going to be able to face that. The, the shame no, is over. I wish I was. Well, it is. I mean, can you imagine what the self-to-self -self dialogue is there? 
Yeah. The self to self trance on that subject matter that you have to come to terms with that. You right. got to carry that around. I mean, listen, I don't know of a person, you know, that that couldn't weigh on. Yeah. In some deep way, a very, very, very deep way. Uh, at, at some point, you've got to come to terms with what you've done to some of these people. Right. The fact that people lost lives because of what you did to them. And that they didn't have a choice in the matter. I, I mean, it saddens me tremendously to think that people had to lose their lives uh, uh, and somebody else who had a hand in that gets off without any type of consequence whatsoever. And the family can't do anything about it because they couldn't see their dead loved ones. Yeah. Tragic. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's despicable. Yeah, this particular characteristic is just everywhere in this culture and it's causing so much damage and it's so difficult to to break out of this cycle of violence. Um I mean Well, this is this is this is the this is the violent leg of perfectionism, isn't it? It's yeah. not like people are owning it. Yeah. They're acting like it's just, you know, another day at the office uh, uh and yet people have lost their lives. And people have so many unanswered questions. Even those people can't move on in their own personal journeys because they don't have completion. Closure is a form of completion. You've got to have closure. Right. When people live forever not knowing what happened and, and trying to uh, reconcile these events, very, very depressing yeah. on people. You know, I want to go back and talk a little bit about that that generational trauma because I've heard in this instance like like one great example of how someone becomes a perfectionist is if the parents are absent and the older child like let's say you've got a, a three or four kids and the older child is constantly uh in charge of of babies taking care of babies while the parents are absent for whatever reason they have an addiction problem they're in a cult they're you know they're addicted to work, whatever it is, they're not there. The older child has to take care of the younger kids. And the pressure on that older, older child is so intense that they, they learn to believe that they're perfect. You know, the younger kids have to do what they say. She, you know, he or she is in charge of, of the younger siblings. I mean, I'm just, I'm saying this because one of the most fascinating things about this entire series is learning how to have compassion for people that have these dysfunctional traits. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, well, that the reason why they have them is because they were denied such sympathy and empathy when they were younger. Yeah. Remember, no child would turn to these rules or even uh, succumb to their use if they had a supportive, you know, loving, encouraging, structured environment to grow up in. They would not ever internalize these rules. Uh, uh, so naturally with that being the only experience for them to go to without anybody, you know, saying, wait a minute, stop right there. Let's redo this. Let, you know, take two or something. The kid grows up to be an adult and continues to parent themselves with these dysfunctional rules and only to get the same results. Hence repeating your parents' marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Hence repeating it only to get the same results they were raised on. Now, that is repetition, compulsion, or the urge to repeat. And it right. is a product of perfectionism. Absolutely. And, and, and I think what's even most fascinating is as they're repeating the cycle of trauma, they're still in denial that any of it is 
is an issue. Like it's that's why it's so challenging. What, what did I say to you when the truth nears them? When they when 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 the flaws begin to show, the cracks begin to show. What do they use more of? Perfectionism. Yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? Right. It it's can't like be their fault. When that pain and depression comes up, I need more booze. Right. When I when that pain and depression comes up, I need more work. Yeah, it's like more food. They'll get triggered into perfectionism. If they start it's feeling the, that shame or that uncomfortable feeling, then boom, they're right back into that mindset. Listen, no, it's not my fault. I'm perfect. All addictions are a mental creation. All of them. Mm -hmm. They're a pathological relationship to any mood altering experience, which produces life damage and consequences to which the addict ignores because he or she believes that such addictions, people substitutes, do such a wonderful job of taking away intolerable reality. Now that's the that is the complete cycle cyclic definition of addiction. Remember, the purpose of an addiction is to organize present suffering in in exact accordance with the past. So addiction takes on the function of concealment. Remember, perfectionistic behaviors are a form of concealment. Right. Booze is a form of concealment. Mm. Okay, so what we're trying to do is ensure that the past suffering remains inaccessible by the use of addiction, because remember, what we're using the addiction for is to mitigate the pain of emotion. What emotion? Guilt and shame. Right. That's those are painful emotions you want out of them as quickly as possible, whether that is through alcohol or food or uh, exercising or work addiction, whatever the addiction is, it's a pathological relationship to any mood altering experience. You're trying to alter the mood you want out of it. Shame and guilt are very painful. Uh, if you can't be perfect, get drunk. Yeah. Right. Right. Fascinating. If you can't be perfect, get food. So, so commonplace actually. And so like getting to Amazing, the real, eh? How real they do heart this of the matter. So yeah. maybe we've got like 10 minutes left and I really want to get to this. Uh, I mean, first of all, everything that you're talking about in perfectionism, isn't it just so classic in, in all patriarchal societies? I've just got to, I want to reiterate this again. You know, the emperor is perfect. The emperor is God. The Pope is perfect. The CEO of the company is, of the corporation is perfect. Whoever's at the top of the hierarchy. I mean, the whole thing in the military. I mean, think about the pressure. We talked about the doctors uh, and the straight to the ventilator protocols, but what about a, a general in a military application that like, whoops, I screwed up and those 10,000 soldiers got blown up, you know, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> right. Think you got to call your heirs and admissions insurers. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> for somebody, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. But but what I what I what I will say is because uh, we only got about eight minutes and I got to go and you got to go. Yeah. Uh, the 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 remedy to all of this is is being able to laugh at oneself, laugh at one's mistakes, accept one's human limitations. You see. We need more people in the condition, especially right now, to stand up for our democracy in our country. Right. If people are bottled up with these dysfunctional rules and that's what they're parenting themselves with, they cannot be available to help anyone, including themselves. You can yeah. only do for others what you've done for yourself. 
and you and, and you can only take people where you have been. You cannot take somebody where you have never been. If I didn't drive the I-75, I wouldn't be able to tell you how to get there without re relying on some other resources. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, experience is registered in memory, and that's what we act out. That's all we have to be critically questioned and updated and have a, a dialogue that deliberately and willfully examines and takes an inventory of my imperfections. Until I do that, I'm not ready to enter uh, the protection in a real sense of anyone or anything. Mm -hmm. You're not available. you got work to do. The inner life is the most important place to start. That's the foundation of every single human being. Right. Childhood's over. We don't get to do this again. It's not a dress rehearsal. Stop being perfect and acting like you don't make mistakes and driving everybody in your workplace or in your family or in your marriage crazy. You make a mistake, own it and learn from it. Right. That's the way out. The only way out is through. I want to make I want to make one more kind of big picture uh, connection before we go, because um, I think this perfectionism, I mean, it's just it's so characteristic of what's happening with the lockdowns. And I want I, I think if people want to take this concept and apply it to the idea of what what we're calling like scientism or the whole science, like we're getting into this, I think yeah. what I consider a new patriarchal religion or, you know, there's this cult like belief that the science is perfect. It's a modern day hierarchy of madness. Right, right. And people think that the scientist, oh, Dr. Fauci is just perfect because he's got the white lab coat on and he's the scientist. He said it. came science. from Dr. Fauci. He's the highest paid in the country. What right. Is he, what does he want to question? <laughs> this so, proves it. So many people fall in line because they're either, they're in this, I mean, the cycle of violence itself could almost be, you know, you've got the perfectionist on the one end and then say the alcoholic or the codependent on the other end yeah. that's letting the the perfectionist boss them around because they have their own triggers and they get triggered by by the fear of the, oh my gosh, the pandemic is happening. I'm triggered. I'm not thinking critically. I'm going to listen to the controller, to the perfectionist because they're imposing and controlling my behavior anyway. And it's easier and it's my coping mechanism to follow the controller. So you get this controller follower pattern which is totally the cycle of violence i mean no matter well, how how it manifests itself in your family or your community or in, in the nation or in the world harville harville hendrix wrote an incredible book a few years ago and it will stand the test of time called uh keeping the love you find and in there he brought you know bradshaw's model is a four-part child development when i'm okay with it it's for, good for layman it's good for the non clinicians mm -hmm. in, in the field uh whereas harville hendrix who's a, a psychiatrist he puts seven stages in the mix of development showing you know from birth to relationship to to marriage brilliant book for anybody who wants to discover more of what you just said um and definitely uh, keeping the love you find is the recipe for doing just that. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't be perfect. Right. And as far as the government know how to read their imperfections, this is important. If you're busy being perfect all the time, how will you ever know what an imperfection looks like? You haven't named it in yourself. And in order to name it in others, you got to name it in you first. Remember, you can't take anybody where you haven't been. So right. Go there. Right. And then uh, I guess I'd like to close up with the idea of, of kind of how to protect yourself against this, because, again, the, the person who's suffering from perfectionism can't admit that they have an issue. 
I mean, even if you have compassion and you, you want to help them change, you mentioned using humor. I think humor is essential, <laughs> but, and Absolutely. it's also, also humor. We is a use great it. Way. You and I use it when, right? when I feel like shaming you, I start, you know, laughing That's at right. you. I start laughing. At you. <laughs> I just laugh at you back, George. I just okay. laugh at you back. You're being a perfectionist, George. I forgive you. I have compassion. That's what I love about you, Doug. You just yeah. reciprocate. Right. No, I care about it. I don't ever want you to feel ashamed or like you're flawed and defective. That's right. I'll That's help no you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I appreciate that. Well, I, I guess. A, yeah, right. Go it's ahead. a good way. Well, I just want to reinforce this idea of setting boundaries. Because when somebody is trying to control you, when the government is trying to you know, control you when they're using this perfectionist language, like the all experts, the consensus of experts says, or science says when science doesn't say that, or no scientists disagree. They Some scientists said. make mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah. But they come up with this language that tries to tell you that, you know, this is true. We are perfect. You have to do what we tell you. And you know, you have to set a boundary and say, Hey, you know, I don't feel that way. That's not what my authentic self is saying is, is the best choice for me. Uh, and it's the only, it's the only way to break the cycle of violence is for the, for the person to have the awareness that a controlling person is, 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 yeah, has this coping mechanism and is trying to dominate their lives. And if you let it happen, it's, uh, you're asking for a world of hurt. Right on. Exactly. And on that note, I will say clearly that following the perfectionistic ideal uh, leads to helplessness and hopelessness. And anybody who has experienced it will know how to name at least that much. Yeah. Stop being perfect. Rejoin the human race. Come on with us. We'll teach you how to make mistakes. Learn from them so that you get the understanding that you are perfectly imperfect and you're welcome to make more mistakes. Right. It's so important to understand that that's how we learn, that mistakes are good. We make more yeah. mistakes than, than we do things right, probably, actually, in, in reality. Yeah. And we learn and we grow. Uh, and, um, and by the way, I, know, that's, I how life, that's how a healthy life uh, no growth, No growth stunting. Right. Don't deny mistakes. That's growth stunting behavior. <laughs> and, and this, <laughs> I hear that. This is why right now, I mean, this week I've made four mistakes. Congratulations, George. I hope you learned from them. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm still recovering right. <laughs> from them. Okay. Well, yeah, sounds good. Um, that was an excellent uh, episode, actually. I think that this idea of perfectionism coupled with the idea of control is super, super important. And certainly, I mean, even the very term lockdown uh, kind of says it all right i mean this is what we're going through we're, we're dealing with a dysfunctional culture uh and how how we make it through and so many people are involved in this cycle of violence either thinking they're being the perfectionist the virtue signaler the karen or uh feeling victimized and just going along with the flow because they, they're so scared they don't know they don't know what else to do and uh yeah. in order to really be our, our authentic selves we've got to we've got to stand up to this we've got to take some deep breaths we've got to break the cycle of violence we've got to use humor and we've got to set uh some real solid boundaries and and follow our hearts uh and understand that we're all adults here and we can yeah. make choices for ourselves so thanks again george for uh, an incredible 
uh, discussion. Um, I think I know I keep hearing from a lot of people that, I mean, not only do you learn a lot about what's going on in terms of the government and the lockdown, but I mean, it starts to make you kind of have that awareness about what's happened in your family and go, huh? <laughs> so there's, it can this get a little spooky. A lot I, I never said this was comfortable doing this work. Right. By the yeah. Way. Yeah. <laughs> I signed off to say that if you're feeling a little awkward and a few triggers are happening, right. you've got yeah. pushed down a little <laughs> bit so we can get through the show. Right. Uh, I'm good I'm to feeling, go. I got a little guilt. I got a little shame <laughs> coming up. <laughs> just go dig it up man okay. yeah i'll go i gotta meditate for a few minutes <laughs> <laughs> that's right. good man i'm glad to hear you're getting something out of this anyways. right i, I mean oh, how sure. can we not really i i i enjoyed it. it was very very painful for me doing the work i gotta tell you yeah uh, i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing today without having done this work i said that already i i firmly believe i'm living proof that you do the work uh, you're available uh yeah. to help people without the kind of stress that you know perfectionists uh sorry perfectionists uh, uh harbor and carry around yeah yeah and i hope they're willing to let let go of the load it's a much lighter load to live in the now and not worry about the organizing principle of denying mistakes yeah absolutely all right very good well we'll be looking forward to next time um do you want to let people know what the topic is going to be what's a dysfunctional rule of this well i think three? we're going to head over to people's favorite you know this is the escape from responsibility what yeah. is known as the the primary thought disorder of blame okay great great wow this is turning out to be even more powerful than the characteristics of mystification i mean we're really getting to the heart of the matter here so wait a minute wait a wait a minute no no these <laughs> no. are the rules that create the mystification right. right right they are they are what i would consider to be the cookbook of mystification yeah grow up with these rules for long enough you're mystified period it's a right. mold these rules mold mystification. They are the training ground for somnambulism, yeah. somnambulate behavior, if you like. Yeah. Latin yeah. for sleepwalker. So, so many people. Yeah, I mean, they're one and the same, except they just play different roles. One is a one is the beginning, the precursor. One is the result. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and so many people are wondering why we can't have rational conversation uh, with disagreement about the direction that these lockdowns are going. It's like either you do what the authority figure says, or you're an outcast, a conspiracy theorist, you know, a, perhaps a domestic terrorist. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> There's yeah. all kinds of labels for the for the character, uh, you know, assassins. Yeah, out there, all kinds of labels for us, but they're not going to be giving you or surprising you or impressing you with any knowledge that's going to contest nor successfully debate or debunk anything that's traveling out there today from the side of the awake, the scientists, the scientific community, the doctors who are speaking out now, the courageous individuals who are standing up for their rights and suing people for their perfectionistic ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm seeing it every day. I heard yeah. of it. Got to set those boundaries. Absolutely. Cool. Cool, George. You want to let people know uh, where to get in touch? Absolutely. The uh, media at the line international .com, at the line media on Twitter, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. 
Sounds good. And I will let you know that you can find uh, my work and all of my stuff at uh, www.theshiftnow.com. I always recommend that people sign up for the newsletter there. Uh, theshiftnow.com backslash the psychology of lockdown. And you can find this entire series. Uh, I'm also on Facebook at Doug McKenty or The Shift with Doug McKenty. Uh, you can find me on YouTube and Odyssey. I'm starting to promote the Odyssey channel because I'm, I'm finding that to be a, a great venue for a lot of the video work without the censorship. And that's at The Shift with Doug McKenty. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at D McKenty. And you can also find me at The Shift with Doug McKenty on Gab and MeWe uh, and Parler. I've been testing out a lot of different social media sites, but the website is, uh, is the one that I try to get people to go to. So once again, www.theshiftnow.com, you can get all of this plus uh, the other shows that I do and my full full length uh, one-on-one interview program, The Shift with Doug McKenty is there as well. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh, stay tuned for episode 17, where George and I will be back next week to talk about blame. I hope you are getting as much about uh, all of this information, getting as much out of it as I am, because it's so important. Uh, I've been learning a lot. Awareness is really 50% of the battle. And then uh, we got to do that hard work that George was talking about, that shadow work of actually letting yourself feel some of those uncomfortable feelings getting that healthy shame out of the way and uh, breaking out of this cycle of violence so we can all once again live in uh, emotionally healthy families and that grows into emotionally healthy communities and nations and uh, an emotionally healthy world eventually. So it starts with you. Thanks for listening. Hope you learned a lot and uh, you all have a great day. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, George. Thanks a million, Doug. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You bet. Take care, everybody.